Hi everyone and welcome to the Mani Kamra podcast. I'm going to be in a conversation with Elaine and we are going to talk about things like anxiety, community and social awareness. Elaine is someone who has inspired me to get more responsible towards the community and I'm sure you're going to love our conversation. So, let's get right to it. Thank you so much for being on the Mani Kamra podcast. How are you? I'm doing good, Manik. How are you? <laughs> I've been doing good as well, Elaine. Uh, how is your day? What did you do? Because I know you do a lot of things and you know, you're one of the persons that I actually look up to for managing so much things in such a short time. So what did you do? Uh, well, today was actually a pretty hectic day because First of all, thank you for saying that I inspire you. That's so so nice <laughs> because you're also someone who really inspires me in, dif- in different things. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, today was um, pretty hectic because I had courses to finish up because I'm also studying. Uh, and like you mentioned, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a couple of different things, like working for different NGOs. So I had like work from literally each one of my, let's say, jobs, quote unquote, so yeah, it was a pretty, pretty busy day, but, it, but it's good. It's, it's ending up pretty well because I was able to finish everything up. Right. Uh, Elaine, I know you can introduce yourself, but you know, I also want to take this opportunity to talk a bit about you. So I remember I had just come out of uh, my full-time job in a not-for-profit organization and I was looking for, you know, like a corporate job or something. And then your Instagram story about, you know, like when you were looking for volunteers for at an NGO in which we later worked together called Vidya Pushak. I saw that story and I said, okay, you know, I, I can do that job later. Why not give some time to myself to explore my purpose and, you know, actually give back to the community. And that experience was really good. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to the whole team. So that experience actually you know reignited a spark in me to give back to the community and I I have not taken a corporate job yet and I don't think I will take a corporate job because the feeling of giving back to the community is really good and you are one of the reasons that got me back to this so uh, so thank you so much for that Elaine and now if you could introduce yourself for our listeners. Uh, yeah, of course. So funny to introduce myself. But yeah, so I would say that I'm an educator and I'm also a human resources coordinator. I work in the social sector mostly, uh, but I also have you know some corporate experience as well. I have studied mostly psychology, organizational psychology, but my passion, I would say, is education and community building. Uh, I think taking from one of the points that you mentioned right now about giving back to the community I think purpose that drives me in in every single one of the things I do is really feeling part of the worldwide community in which we live in, let's say the the, the human race, um, and really being an active member of uplifting everyone as much as possible. I think that it's each individual's responsibility to actively develop and build the community around them. So I would say that that's a little bit about me. I mean, I don't know if I should go into like all the specific roles that I have or is, is that, does that sound good? Yeah, that, that sounds good. But if you also want to tell us what do you do, because I know you are doing a corporate job. I know you are into a lot of, you, you, like, you know, you have been doing a lot of service to the society, to the community. And then, uh, like, you know, you have been doing a lot of things. So if you can tell us about it, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, but just one thing I wanted to like point out, I, I wouldn't call it service per se, because like I mentioned, I do think it's like the responsibility that we have as, as not citizens, but as like individuals, as, as people, it's like our responsibility. And like, I don't see it like, a, let's say a volunteering kind of thing, even though that is the, the proper term, of course. Um, that's I, I feel that's like, an again, amazing thought. My role. That's an amazing thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I work full time um, as the global coordinator of uh, internship program in, in TCS in Tata Consultancy Services. Uh, I've been doing that job for over a year now. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, over a year. 
where we strive to build, to, to provide uh, career opportunities to youth from around the world. Um, simultaneously, I'm working part-time as a, I would say, yeah, project manager for learning and development in Make a Difference, which is uh, well, an NGO here in India where we are building a transformational leadership platform for the, the members of this organization. Uh, additionally, I'm teaching. I, I, I teach, I tutor privately. Then I'm also a social and emotional learning interventionist at an NGO where I've built a curriculum for this course that is SEL. And additionally, in the same NGO, I'm an English facilitator as well. Right. Oh, and of course, <laughs> the NGO where we met as well, uh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Vidya, <laughs> Vidya Poshak, where, where, where actually, I mean, where, where we ha started, you know, uh, actually getting to know each other. I worked there as a student mentoring program coordinator, yes. <laughs> I think, uh, Elaine, do you have like a five pages CV award? Because you have been doing <laughs> a lot of things. And one thing that, you know, actually... Uh, made me very curious. I want to ask, what does a social emotional interventionist do? Oh, okay. Um, so actually, SEL, like the, the the smaller version of that, SEL is actually a, a really up and coming course that is starting to to take a lot of notice in different schools. Um, the idea behind it is to develop these, as the name says, social and emotional uh, skills in students from early on, from like from like a young age. The idea is actually to train teachers in this so, they, so their methodology and their teaching style can be very oriented towards the development of these skills. But this takes more of a holistic perspective, right? This, this is not a quick fix that you, you implement in your organization. So this takes some time. So what the NGO here is, is, is doing with their virtual school is delivering these lessons two times a week to their students in hopes that it can, you know, you know, at least put the, 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 the base of the program that they want in the future. Um, because, and it's something that I really relate to is the fact that we shouldn't just wait until the entire program is built up to start, you know, guiding the students of the now. Because while we, you know, while we take that time to really build up a program or a project, uh, you know, there will be some students that are left behind. And, and, the, and the NGO really wanted to, you know, kickstart because we already have, the curriculum because we already had the lesson plans it was like okay let's start this now and once you know uh, schools are back open then we can mold it to what we really see fit so yeah but, but i i do recommend that if anyone has children or works with children that they read up about this there's really interesting courses on coursera i think and uh, yeah and different platforms i think for any teacher it's it's something super valuable Right. I think that's very interesting, Elaine. What you talked about, this is something I talked with my previous guest, uh, Praneet Singh. We talked about things that are not typically taught in, in a school. So we talked about, uh, you know, we are not taught how to love someone or we are not taught, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how to approach someone who does not worship a, a same God as we do or, you know, who does not look mm -hmm. similar to us. Things like emotional intelligence. These are things we are not taught in the school. Right. Mm -hmm. And Elaine, like, I want to ask this because the previous guest I had, everyone has a very strong sense of purpose. And uh, for you, like, I can undoubtedly say that you have a very strong sense of purpose, right? You know, like, you know, you have been doing so much for the community. And uh, I really mm -hmm. liked when you said that it is not something like, you know, it's not a service, it's a responsibility that every human has, right? Mm -hmm. And this kind of you know, I would say you are a woke person, uh, you know, you, you are aware <laughs> of the uh, injustice that's happening around, you are, uh, you know, aware of the social differences that we have. Uh, Elaine, mm -hmm. has there any or have there been any events in the past that made Elaine like this? Because I, I haven't, I, I don't think I have figured my purpose 100% yet. But I know it, mm -hmm. it has something to do with the education and uplifting the rural community through education. Mm -hmm. And that happened because mm -hmm. I, like I grew up in a, in a sort of rural community and I could see the, like, you know, the things we did not get that the you new know, students from, let's say the metro cities got. Uh, so mm -hmm. like, you know, these are like the events that happened to me that made me like, you know, the manik who I am right now. So have mm -hmm. there been any events in your life that made Elaine like this, you know, who is so passionate about doing her, you know, so I, I, don't, I don't know, no, I don't want to use the service word, but you know, being so responsible for the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so so I, I really loved how you phrased this and a question that is very similar perhaps more in a in a more crazy way is something that i keep seeing in in, in memes on instagram is uh what radicalized you like um like what 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 made you know this person that that wants to kind of dismantle these systems of that that oppress us all basically oh and I, and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's amazing i really like how you shape it <laughs> Yeah, so I have thought about it. I mean, it's so funny how like social media sometimes teaches us things. But yeah, I have thought about it because of this. And it's actually, I mean, not my story to tell, but I, I'll like, I'll try to frame it in the best way as possible. I, I feel like this passion and this role that I that I have now, let's say it was really, I was really, in, I inherited it uh, through my father because he actually lost his parents when he was three years old. Uh, and he was an orphan since that age. Um, he, he lived in several uh, shelter homes. He had a very difficult upbringing. Uh, he would actually say it was a really challenging. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if he somehow listens to this, uh, I'll just correct that, correct myself for that. He calls it like a challenging upbringing um, because he, he did have to beg on the streets for money and, and you know, his, him and his brothers and sisters faced a lot of hardship, which is, let's say, really foreign to, to, to me specifically, because I, I did not face those things. And from a young age, I learned about compassion from him, because something that he always told me was, you have been given this privilege of, I mean, whatever type of privilege you might have, I mean, we all have different privilege, right? Um, but you have this privilege of being in this family, of having these opportunities, but it's not something that you were kind of like, let's say, quote unquote, blessed with. It's, it's, it's something that you will have to continuously work for. So it's not only you who has this. Um, and he always said, for example, it's like, don't, don't look at other people as others because they're, they're, they're you, basically. They're just like you. And without going too much into spirituality, um, I, I do see that this really shaped who I am um, in, in seeing everyone as my, as my equal uh, and, and trying to, to always be, I don't like that phrase, like putting myself in someone else's shoes, but I would say like, you know, seeing things through their eyes on how things can affect them. And uh, if it was you, how would you feel? And that's something that I, you know, that, that guided me a lot because uh, it's not just about seeing like, okay, what if that was me? But it, that person is actually you, right? That person has the same uh, capacity of thought, the same, you know, emotions, feel the same things that you do. So if they suffer, you suffer because they're basically the same as you. And yeah, so I would say that, let's say hearing those stories from someone, let's say who I admire as much as I admire my father, uh, I think that was uh, what radicalized me more than I think any other experience or, or because I, I think that in one way or another, every other yeah, hardship that I could have faced or I have faced I do see where I get my strength to uplift myself because of, of him and his stories. I believe a lot in, not believe, but I've read a lot about generational, you know, what you inherit from your previous generations. Uh, and I do think that this component, let's say, of uh, compassion, it, it was due to him. That is a very powerful and a very beautiful story, Elaine. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I also want to thank you for your vulnerability. And Elaine, one thing that I've noticed and, you know, maybe unconsciously also picked up from you is uh, like, you know, you speak very consciously, right? Uh, and one thing that you taught me like in, in the first session we had was nonviolent communication that you uh, like, you know, mm -hmm. however you phrase your answers, they are like, you put a lot of conscious effort. So can you give our listeners any tips on how to communicate nonviolently or, you know, how to speak an inclusive language? Like what has helped you and what would you recommend for someone who is sort of, you know, not putting a very conscious effort in speaking in an inclusive manner? Mm -hmm. I would say that it's more than giving any tip. I would say that, that the main thing is really listening to other people. Because I think that when we really pay attention, everyone is communicating something. And 
And you can tell when you, the, the way you're speaking or the words you're using are affecting someone else. And I think it, it is a lot about, you know, paying attention because, you know, the, the more you speak to people and the more you're in social environments, you will see that there is a reaction to everything that you're saying and doing. And by this, I don't mean that people, you know, like start freaking out and like kind of just trying to, <laughs> to please everyone. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, we should observe. Uh, how our presence uh, affects or, you know, in a positive or a negative manner, other people. And I mean, quite, let's say I, I do here, I do think I, I should mention, like, I think anyone who's listening and, and anyone who's, who, who faces, you know, problems with anxiety might feel like, oh, you know, this, this relates a lot to what I already do with my life. And, and I do think that, let's say, everything about who we are is, is, is related, right, in one way or another. And I do think as much as I can talk about compassion and everything, I do think that one of the main reasons why I started, you know, trying to, to learn more about, about, you know, nonviolent communication, for example, uh, was because of like my social anxiety, right? So I, I think it is about also playing your strengths and, and also not taking things so, so hard on yourself. Like, I think that because of the culture nowadays and everybody trying, like you said, trying to be woke and everything, uh, trying not to make mistakes publicly and everything, it can get a little bit tough. Um, but in the end of the day, I think it is about, you know, putting the effort, doing the work and, and, and listening to other people because there, there's many, there's so much knowledge out there. People, I mean, people want to tell their stories. And if, and if we just, you know, pay attention, especially people who have privilege, if we just pay attention, um, there is so much that we can learn from them. Right. Elaine, first of all, again, thank you so much for opening up on this platform. I think that's very courageous of you. You you talked about, you know, you talked about anxiety and I think, uh, including me, a lot of people have suffered anxiety and they still do. Uh, I think it, it does not really end. So how does someone speak about it on a, on a, you know, like a social media platform? Like from where do you draw your inspiration or from where do you draw that courage, that power that you need to open up about your anxiety or other mental issues? Uh, I think that uh, it's a process for sure. I, I don't think that it, it's necessarily easy for, for everyone. I mean, everyone is coming from a different space, right? And different experiences and how, how receptive also other people have been to them speaking about it. I think I was very lucky to you know, because I, I think it's also because I studied psychology and the people around me, you know, during those years of university were being trained in that way that I, uh, you know, I, I was able to make, to accept th that I do suffer from anxiety uh, instead of just hiding and pretending that it wasn't real. And, you know, more than acceptance, I would call, call it, you know, taking ownership of it. Um, just like I mentioned, I mean, there's, there will always be qualities that, about you that are, you know, maybe positive or negative, but it depends on who's looking, right? On, on, from what perspective you see it. And I think that every bit of you can be lovable if you, you know, if you intend it to be that way. Um, so I try to see, I'm still making peace with it. I'm not, I can't say that, you know, this is like a battle I've won. I don't think any mental health issue is, is ever, you know, a, a complete win. But, you know, I, I do try to see it as, as something that I can use or that I have to, you know, more than just live with, I have to, you know, thrive with. And while there are a lot of downsides to, um, you know, having anxiety or living with anxiety, um, there are also a lot of qualities that you develop because of it. Or personally, I can say that that, that happened for me. So I think it is about that, about, you know, kind of owning who you are with every bit of you. Beautiful. Uh, Elena, I especially loved when you talked about that, you know, you have to thrive with your anxiety and owning up to who you are like you know it it sort of helps you to look inward and find who you actually are right and i think mm -hmm. i have suffered that as well like you know there was a time when i used to cancel a lot of plans last minute like you know i, I would be really excited mm -hmm. for a plan and at last minute i would say i don't i don't want to go and then you know mm -hmm. i just would not have a reason that you know why don't i want to go whatever the plan is right yeah elaine so i want to ask so how long you have been living in india Oh, I've been living in India. Uh, okay, so since June 2018. Uh, so it's been, yeah, over two years now. All right. So it's, it's almost like 30 months, right? Uh, Elaine, yeah. So living in a different country or, you know, sort of like moving around, does it amplify your anxiety or like, how do you find belongingness? And, you know, how do you find 
peace. I know the, you know, every person has to find peace in ourselves. I don't know if that's a perfect way to phrase that question, but I know you are a great person to answer this. So I just wanted to ask. Um, so I think that for me very specifically, and I'll be like very open with you. I, I don't know if this might, you know, any, anybody who hears it might, might help them in some way, but more than, you know, the specific country where I am and if I belong or not, I did see that I faced similar challenges that I had in my life, but in an amplified manner. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> so let me try to like explain it better. Um, so I think that we bring into our, you know, our existence certain unhealed, let's say, events, and we kind of repeat them. And I think that when you take such a life-changing perhaps experience as, you know, moving to another country or even just going abroad for some time uh, or, you know, changing career paths or, you know, leaving a partner or, you know, whatever my, my life-changing experience might be, it really puts you in this position for these, again, unhealed events to come, to come forward. Um, so I do feel specifically with what you're saying about belonging, I, I do feel that I had a hard time fitting in and kind of accepting my surroundings. It, like I felt this throughout my life. Um, so it was actually when I look back on it and when I've gone to therapy and talked about it, I realized how interesting <laughs> to say uh, it is that I, I decided to move to a country where I, I, I don't speak the language, where the culture is, is, is different from, from where I originally come from. Um, and, and this stems from a lot of places for me in particular, you know, uh, you know, li living, being born in one country, then living in another country, uh, then speaking a different language from, from my family. And, you know, there were small, small things that throughout my, my life, I kept feeling like I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't belong. And then coming here to India, it, it was like, I'm not going to continue acting as if I'm the victim of this, of this situation, because this is something that I decided. So I, again, uh, we come back to ownership, right? Like I have to take ownership of my life and not, uh, you know, just fall back into the role that I think I've been assigned to play. Now, this, this is not like in any way advice to other people. This is just how, how I saw it. Um, but, it. but it can definitely be different for other people. So m for me, belonging is something that has, you know, taken a long time for me to, to, to embrace kind of, uh, that, you know, that, that first I should belong to myself and then I can belong to my environment. But yeah, it's a, it's a different journey for everyone, for sure. Right. Again, Elena, I'm really appreciative of how do you phrase or, you know, that you said that this is not like an advice to someone. Like I would say you are socially aware, you are aware of how everyone has, uh, you know, a different journey and how like no two experiences are similar, no, no two persons are similar, mm -hmm. like they have a lot of things in common, but you know, the experiences are different and everyone has to own up to their experiences. One thing that I want to ask you, because I know you're learning Hindi now, how did you, <laughs> like, you know, how did you overcome or how are you still overcoming this, the, I, I wouldn't say problem, but a challenge of uh, you know, coming to a country that speaks a different language than you? So I think that um, something that I really realized here uh, and being around perhaps other foreigners for the first few months that I was here or the first, yeah, the first, like, I would say half a year that I was here is that I constantly heard from other people saying like, oh, they don't speak, let's say specifically English. Uh, they were like, well, they don't speak English. Like so when talking about, let's say someone in the street or, or someone they were working with, et cetera. And then I started thinking about this and I realized it's not that they don't speak English. It's that we don't speak their language. Like we are the people that have come here and, and it's not about <laughs> other people. Let's say it's not about going to any country and then people asking people to kind of assimilate your culture uh you know that goes back to colonialism <laughs> um it's about it's about you putting in the effort to be part of their community and actually bring benefit to them like if if you're in this country if you're in any country uh and you're not helping build a community around you and you're just ju passing judgment uh then there is a gap there let's say to fill of, of, of the purpose why you're you know why you're shifting to another place or why you're living in why you decided to come to another country mm -hmm. so that's that's one, one of the main things I would say that and you know 
then then you don't see it as like a, a problem or like a challenge then you see it again like we go back to like you see it as your responsibility I, i've come to this country and i i want to contribute and one of the things that i i feel like would allow me to contribute more is if i was able to speak the local language of course i know hindi is not the the local language but it's it's one of the few ways that i can maybe uh communicate to more people and i think that this this particular point of language is is it like a really big uh, deal for me because i feel like the, the way we i mean the thoughts we have and the emotions we have uh are so much e- more easily communicated in our let's say native tongue which again i know that hindi is not for think not even most indians um but it becomes like uh, let's say a, a gateway let's say into being able to communicate to more people around me while living in in india still right thank you so much for sharing elaine and you know i really liked how you talked about that you know it's not that they don't speak english it's that we don't speak their language mm-hmm. and i think that is one shift of of lens or the shift of the way we see see the world uh, i think similar thing happened with me when i shifted to uh nepal you know i would also think that okay they don't they don't speak uh, english or a lot of people do speak hindi but still the like you know uh, nepali is the biggest language in nepal right the question that i want to ask you is how has your lens or you know how is your mindset changed when you sort of you know shifted to a new place or you know like how do you see the world now or and how did you see the world before Mhm. I I think one thing I I thought when I was younger, I mean b- because I I did move around since I was young to different countries, uh but one thing I thought I used to think is like, you know, there are so many differences in the world. Like people are so different, there's different cultures, there's different languages. I think I even mentioned that in one point when we were speaking like, you know, coming to a different place and everything. And and I used to mm-hmm. think like everyone is so different. but something that i realized you know living in in india and you know traveling around asia as well um there are more things in common than there are differences like it, and 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 then by that way i don't mean to like in any way like erase like the differences that we have culturally or ethnically what i mean to say is that as humans we we live a similar ex- life experience uh in terms that we you know we all feel fear we all feel love uh we all you know want the best for our loved ones we all have dreams we all have goals we all want to you know achieve something we all want to look nice in the morning you know and there are some differences of course again but then in a, in a in a bigger concept these are all things that we experience as humans and those let's say fundamental aspects of a, of us as humans if more people focus on them instead of you know how we're not the same I just think that that more people would be able to relate to other people because that and I know it can it can be it can like that is also something that I've learned here it can it can be sometimes you know a challenging to to engage with people who have different perspectives who have different mindsets sometimes you're so used to seeing things in one way and then someone comes and they see it in a completely different way and you're just like why can't you see it my way but then then once you start to notice like fundamentally we both want something or the other similar or fundamentally we both lived one or two experiences in the same way what what is the way that i can connect with you maybe it's not on this level of let's say political perspective but it can be on another level that i can connect with you uh and when i connect with you then it becomes easier to to engage and to build you know a safe learning environment for example and i'm not talking only about you know teacher students i'm talking about everyone i think that the beauty of of you know interacting with other people for example the way me and you have interacted uh is that you can learn so much from them so so while i while you know th- there is a lot of of differences in the world not only of of uh culture ethnicity background experiences also of mindset there are a lot of things that we have you know similar and i think that that's i think that would say that the biggest learning that i i had um how do you connect to people on what you have lived similarly or what you have experienced similarly or what you have felt um yeah 
amazing answer Elin. I I really agree with you with what I said like you know you and I are different me and my neighbor like we are two different persons but also creating a bridge between I mean you and I or between me and any other person is really important because I think that's what connects us as human beings uh, and I think that's also sort of like the definition of a global citizen like you know you know that there are people who are different than you but you also uh, like sort of coexist and also create a bridge between uh, any two persons and you know connecting on a similar level so i want to ask you know what's your definition of a global citizen because i think you would be an amazing person to answer this i i i like this 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 concept so global citizen i would say is someone who like understands again we go back to like the differences of the world but respects them uh and more than respects them tries to engage with them actively uh and like respond to the needs of the different communities of of the world i think someone who's a global citizen is someone who is able to find the similarities that i i just spoke about in wherever they go and, and you know try to build around them uh as much of a of a of a safe and positive environment where they go so this this i think relates a lot to the uplifting of of communities um and, and in no way do i mean that you know like as a foreigner you should try to like save people because that that is like you know that that whole notion is wrong um people know how to save themselves communities villages etc know how to you know don't don't need saving actually they don't need saving um but you as a as a global citizen or 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 anyone as a global citizen you know can lend support uh from their experiences and from their knowledge uh you know to anyone not not only to to the the country where you've been brought up but to anybody around to any any let's say community around the world and i think it's very important this part of compassion in order to develop this 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 tolerance because it's not just about you know i respect you and then kind of i leave you alone it's i respect you and because i respect you i engage with you i engage with you to to understand you to you know so i can have support so you can have support so we can be a community together it's not it's never about you know i quote unquote save a community it's you become part you can become part of the community and like i mentioned before you know no i don't think anyone in this world needs a savior everyone it can be their own can can take ownership of their own life um but but we do all need a community to 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 live in you know a safe community to live in so i think a global citizen is someone who understands that and you know intends on it intends on doing it mhm 100% uh, i want to talk to you about community but there's one question that i wanted to ask you in like in the beginning but it is it just does not go out of my mind so elaine people like you and you know there are a lot of other people who spread so i'm not going to use the service at all but people who spread a lot of joy who people who spread a lot of love to the world right and you know a lot of people see that but what people do not see is how these people give love to themselves or you know how these people give joy to themselves because i believe if you know if you don't love yourself you cannot give love to, to anyone else to the community to your partner to your parents or you know anyone you have a relationship with uh, how do you love yourself or you know how do you fuel yourself to you know so that you get out of the bed every day and spread love out in the world well I, i like first i just wanted to like comment like briefly on 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 what you mentioned about like if you don't love yourself you you know you really can't give love to other people and i think that and i know that this is like a you know a, a common quote that people use but you know just thinking about it now i thought like is that really true because i mean there's a lot of people that have a hard time loving themselves because of maybe experiences that they faced mm-hmm. because maybe of childhood because of so many things and becomes hard to love yourself and I, i don't think that necessarily transcends into you not being able to love other people but i think that it it, it becomes a challenge i just i just think about this phrase and i think you know if so, if if i hear this and i don't love myself then i might feel like anything i do for other people is not you know is is not right because i don't love myself first so i think it's like while you heal yourself you can also heal like in community which i and it goes back to this point of of community because i think that mm-hmm. the world now has this very individualistic lens that it's like you and you alone and actually like re- in the reality and, and like you know this has been studied by 
psychologists, sociologists, etc., we're actually, you know, meant to be in community. So it's not I heal myself, it's I heal with my community. And therefore, you know, we all collectively heal. So, so I just, I, I wanted to mention that because I thought, uh, because it's actually something that I've also discussed with my therapist. And I think that that's, um, you know, something that relates directly to your question. How do I, you know, self-love myself? Uh, I think it's as I heal myself, I can be a better member of my, you know, of my community. Um, so I think that out of all the things that I've done, let's say for myself, I think having that, that courage to start therapy again might have been the biggest one because I recognized that there were some things about me that I, you know, there were some things about myself that I needed help with. And I think that recognizing and asking for help is, let's say, a, a great way to show, you know, how, how much you love yourself and how much you want to heal, um, you know, so, so yeah, so I think that that would be like my main thing. And then, you know, as, as a side thing, <laughs> I, I would say that it, it goes into like the daily habits we have and being like trying to be in awareness of what we're doing and not just going through the motions. And this, like you mentioned, I, I'm doing a lot of different activities. And when you are, you know, really busy, I mean, anyone who has like college or anything like that, you know, can, can relate like uh, you, you you can sometimes lose track of time because you're not even aware. You're just kind of like going through the motions kind of like robotic style. And, and I think that those pauses that you can take of being like, okay, I, I'm back. Like I'm here, like, you know, uh, grounding exercises are also a really big form of self-love because you should never let your life kind of pass you by. You should never just exist. It, it should be, you know, a life full of, you know, energy, emotion, etc. cetera. Um, so I think that that, I would go back to that and that, that I related a lot to, for example, eating, which is something that we all do. Right. Um, so then like this type of conscious eating, like, and, and making sure that what you're doing and what, sorry, what you're eating and what, how you're, you know, bringing, you know, nurture to yourself is actually for your benefit, not just, you know, for substance or like, you know, just, just, just to survive, like I mentioned, but it's actually something that is mm -hmm. healing you as well. So yeah, so I would say that. And then, then finally would be sleeping, uh, which I think personally is the thing that I have the hardest. Like I, I have had very negative sleeping habits, but I, I can tell, you know, those days where I'm feeling good and, and I'm, I'm able to, to manage my emotions well, that I do sleep better. Uh, and that's kind of like the, 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 the final demonstration of, of self-love, you know, being able to sleep uh, well. So yeah, I think that would, I would say those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, uh, you know, the things that you talked about, like, you know, what we eat or sleeping is also showing love to ourselves. A lot of people do sleep, but, uh, and you know, a lot of people like they eat, but just for, you know, just for sustaining in the, in, in this world or like, you know, just for living. But when you start eating very consciously, like, you know, you understand what you're eating where has it come from, how much protein it has, or, you know, how much carbohydrates or how much fats or how much fiber it has. I think it, you know, like you get aware of what you're eating and, and then you're putting that in, in your body. So, you know, the energy on your mm -hmm. plate, it goes into your body. Also know a lot of people who have a hard time sleeping and they drink so much alcohol that, you know, they just want to pass out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that would not be a, you know, be a way to, show yourself love or you know be a way to serve mm -hmm. yourself right mm -hmm. so elaine coming back to okay. the thing that we talked about about the how do you define community so community i would say is a, a group of people who want to i think this word got stuck in my mind <laughs> to thrive together towards a, a similar with a similar mission in mind this mission should let's say in in most cases be that you know continuity of the community itself uh but it, it, it can it can have diverse perspectives as well um so let's say a community takes care of itself right a community is self-sustaining a community ideally would be self-sustaining and would be beneficial would bring benefit to everyone in it so we can talk about for example simply like a neighborhood or we can talk you know in, in a bigger sense as you know uh, perhaps like a city or a village, you know, community can also be, for example, the people, for example, 
in 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 your own um let's say that belong to the same groups as you do right then perhaps you have something in common so i think communities uh are not just you know the people who live around you let's say like a neighborhood exactly but it, it can it can have different implications like it can have different sorry applications <laughs> it can have different applications um uh yeah so yeah that, that's how i would define community right uh elaine so how do different communities coexist like you know obviously let's say two communities have different culture different vision different purpose so how do two communities coexist i i think definitely it it is possible i think it's actually i would actually say that it's part of our 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 nature to coexist if we think back to animals and and the way they interact with with, with flora in general it's such a harmonious type of effortless coexistence right it's not no one is is behind it like kind of masterminding everything uh uh well as per my beliefs at least um and and it 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 happens kind of due to the intrinsic motivations that each species or or you know uh each living organism has right uh so i do think that it, like in our nature humans also have this capacity to coexist with in in different communities let's say in in different groups and different groups of people irrespective of our differences uh we do have this capacity now the the how becomes more complicated um because again of how complex we are as species right and i don't think like like going back to what what we were talking about before i don't think that you know we should see this as a negative thing but actually try to place it in our favor okay we are very complex very different um you know individuals um but then we go back to what i mentioned what what are the things that we have in common and what are the things that can join us and i think um the, these are you know principles that that we can take when we think about coexistence and that that translates finally into a set of morals and and a set of uh values that 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 would ideally be you know be guiding this coexistence so if we think back to for example like how societies ha- have have been built uh the dynamics at play uh have not always been in let's say you know have not always kept in mind the majority so i think that again we go back to this point of like if we're seeing just our differences if we're just seeing you know how you're different from me uh and and you you know you place as your as your biggest objective to get that that xyz thing that is very different from me then again we come into this power struggle right but if we're all thinking okay collectively what is what are the things that join us and let's make that our objective instead of what separates us then then comes you know more strategies and more groundwork as 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 you might call it to build this society that can actually have a, have you know have have everyone you know living more fully or living in well-being it, it's definitely there's i don't think there is a like a a one size fits all type of strategy or type of you know methodology that can um you know quote unquote save the human race um mm. but but i do think it is about uh you know this 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 type of perspective and this type of consciousness consciousness coming into you know coming into play uh whenever we interact with other people and, and it's not only the perspective that i'm saying right because that would sound like you know this is the answer and it's not it's not necessarily the answer uh but i do think that it's one way that you know could could bring about coexistence or or i think we already coexist whether we like it or not i would just say you know like a peaceful coexistence right um right, that's right so Yeah so i think that this 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 you know having this this awareness of of our of of what can join us instead of what separates us um you know and this tolerance towards differences can you know kind of foment or ignite that kind of desire to live in harmony right uh, thank you so much lane for your answer and it actually like you know focusing on what joins us rather than focusing on what separates us i think it's very powerful and i think i'm going to cut this uh, and you know make this into an instagram reel because that actually is a really powerful thing uh elaine i want to ask something that's really important you know it just popped up in my mind uh 
so let's say i'm living in a community right my mm-hmm. values my uh, you know my thoughts my like you know whatever i do that like my community shapes that right and even mm-hmm. like you know my my chain of thought and everything how does a person mm-hmm. see out of the community like you know how do, not out of the community but how does a person see the holistic picture you know if your community is going somewhere wrong how do you identify that because if you have been living in one community you may you may fail to see where you have been going wrong so how does one develop that holistic picture mentality i think that that the one very important point is you know understanding the the dynamics in which or like the context that your community uh is in and has so the context in which your community is in and the the, the dynamics which your uh community has with other communities because and let's just let's just add that as well uh you know the study of history is so important uh you know to to really understand the reality of your community because perhaps like for example let's let's take the ex- let's take the example of uh people who come from just not to name any country like people who come from mm-hmm. uh countries that uh, have colonized other countries right have, mm-hmm. have that invaded other countries right. um okay you directly and perhaps your most immediate family had no participation i mean definitely none of your existing family participated right. in this correct uh yeah. or at least actively participated in 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 it um but to understand you know that the world is is bigger than just you and and you know and the people you love it takes that effort to see you know uh again the context in which we exist and, and the dynamics in which i interact with other people when i mean it, and it goes a little bit into the analysis of privilege right because if i uh irrespective of who i am if i if i just see the world from my lens and and i think that everyone has the same experience that i have because you know i i falsely believe that in this kind of utopic sense like what we're talking about you see it like okay everyone is the same like imagine that i've heard a lot of people saying that right like we're all the same mm. or or this this thing that became very famous like i don't see color mm. or things like that right 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 oh, yes, uh, or i don't see gender right like mm-hmm. so uh this is kind of like the the utopic extreme of you know taking this like uh seeing similarities instead of differences uh to another kind of let's say negative level right uh where you're kind of blind to the important differences that make us also who we are so here like it's important for you to to when you interact with other people and when you step out of your uh of your community to see how those dynamics play out uh how are you treated differently than other people how are you seen differently than other people uh you know what what type of you know interactions do you have that other people don't have now this is not necessarily only for people from privilege this can also be a people of communities who have been uh historically oppressed this this is something that can can bring a lot of understanding to anyone uh you know understanding again the context uh, in which you live and the dynamics in which your community exists uh so i think that 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 would be you know a main gateway if we can call it that into holistic understanding uh be, beyond just what what your community lives um and and i think that you know just to just to add a point there about the about people who have been oppressed and people who are oppressors uh in our lives whether we we want to accept it or not we are most of the time either one of the other and we have to understand and recognize those those dynamics at play in order to know how to you know dismantle the 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 system that is collectively putting us in this place to get there let's say you first have to understand where you are currently right you have to first know like okay how, what are the you know what are the the privileges that i have what are the you know the benefits that i'm getting uh what is you know what is the differences that i'm not seeing right so i think it's 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 good that you brought up this question because i do think that someone might hear you know what we were previously talking about and and think okay great i don't see the differences i just see the similarities i'm a global citizen and then it's like no wait you also do have to you know like you can't leave out completely the differences the differences should not be a point of separation uh, definitely should not be a point of separation 
it should be the things that we have in common that join us. Yes, yes to all that. But, uh, you know, those differences in the end of the day make us who we are and make us, you know, the personality we have, the type of family we want, et cetera, et cetera. You know, our internal desires, they're all guided by this long history of, you know, our community. So it is important to, to recognize and to give value to that while also paying attention to the other communities and how, you know, they are different from your own. I think we went like full circle here, like from, from, the, from you know, joining our similarities to also understanding how important our differences are. Yeah, that, that's right. And I think it happens a lot. Let's say, so I'm brown. If I go somewhere and if someone says, okay, so you're brown, but you know, it doesn't matter. Like I don't see color. So it, it sort of like negates who I am because I am brown and there's no denying mm-hmm. that. And if you're denying that, or, you know, if, if you're denying that you don't see my color, I think that's very offending right mm-hmm. uh, so elaine i really enjoyed our conversation and like it, it kind of makes me sad but uh I, so this is going to be the last question uh, how, how does one become like you and when i say like you uh, i mean how does one accept the responsibility so uh, you know i was again i was going to say how does one serve the community but <laughs> again i'm not going to use that but how does one accept their responsibility towards the community I think I don't think so highly of myself that I would ever say like, yeah, people should be like me. But, um, <laughs> but like, I mean, I, I, I get your question. I just like wanted to put out there that, you know, like I'm in no way like that. Like <laughs> you're that, you're one of the, like, the, the, like, you know, the very active person on social media is very open about it. And I'm really appreciative of whatever you post on your Instagram and even your personal life. I, I, I love that you talk about, talk a lot about veganism. You have recently adopted a, uh, adopted a dog, Smokey. That's that's right. So <laughs> yeah, appreciative, totally. appreciative of that. So and I think very highly of you. <laughs> that's so nice. Um, well, yeah, but just just to give some some answer to this, I think that um, you know I think it comes a lot from developing compassion, and I, I think it's firstly compassion to ourselves. Uh, and then compassion towards, I mean, not, not firstly, but I think like at the same time, it should be compassion for ourselves and compassion for other people. Um, and I think that, you know, when you begin to see other people as your own, uh, it, it becomes really, I think I would say in my case, impossible to just turn away from the suffering of other people. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, there's, there's a, there's a, a great book that, that, uh, I love by Dr. Monica Sharma. She talks about, you know, like we are all called, you know, to respond to the suffering of others, just like they're called to respond to our suffering. Right. So I think that that's, 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 I mean, once we begin to see the world in that way, like how, how can we, you know, like pretend that we don't know what's happening or how can we, you know, assume that, everyone has the same, let's say, for example, privileges that, that one has. Um, like once, once you know, I think that it, it's time to step up. Uh, and, and I think this, this point about knowing, I think people have different learning styles for sure. People have different ways that they like to gain knowledge. But I think whatever is the one that suits you the most, go with it like, and, and intend on learning these things. Like really put the effort, put the work in to really know more about, you know, society, right, as a whole. Uh, and I think that, you know, for example, I love reading. So I will constantly be checking out books and like trying to find, you know, new, new things to read uh, and new ways to gain knowledge. But at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, Instagram, I really like Instagram as, you know, as a platform for people, you know, to share their, their content. And I think that uh, there are so many like, uh, you know, educators on, on the platform. I, like, I, I, for example, I don't actively, like, I, I've, I'm, I, like, not unfollowed, but I've, like, kind of muted, <laughs> like, almost everyone. It's just, like, uh, but I, I use my Instagram kind of, like, mm-hmm. a, as a, for educational purposes. Like, I do follow a lot of, you know, teachers, and I learn about, you know, their educational strategies, etc., and, and follow a lot of authors. And for me, it works because I am that kind of person that will get easily distracted. So I do need this kind of like colors and things <laughs> kind of popping up. Um, so whatever strategy works for you, whatever platform you like the most, use it and kind of like really engage with it. 
And, and, and I would say that the main thing is like, don't be afraid to like make mistakes in it. Like, uh, like I, I really don't like this, you know, cancel culture that is like really big nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I, I do think that just like something that I practice with my students, like mistakes are just opportunities to grow. And here I just want to make a parenthesis, like there's a big difference between like mistakes and like errors and like crimes. Okay. Like just in case someone's like, Oh, I've done, you know, like, I, like anyways, yeah. There's extremes, right? But yeah, but basically like those, those mistakes are opportunities for you to learn. And I hope that whenever people do make mistakes, they can, they find someone, um, you know, who calls them out or calls them in, you know, like either publicly or, or privately. Um, and then you take that opportunity to learn and to grow. Um, so I think that, the more you engage with other people, the more you do the work, the more you put the effort in, uh, you know, like it, it, it and the, then you start developing this compassion because you know, and once you know, like I mentioned, uh, I, 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 like for me, at least I can't see the way to, to like, to turn my back on it anymore. Not that I would want to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to talk to you about that. Uh, and I really like, you know, how, how you use social media for, educational purpose elaine uh, so i have two accounts one is for like you know my personal stuff uh, <laughs> yeah. the, sec- yeah, the second account is solely for consuming a lot of content related to diversity inclusion and uh, you know non-violent communication and also giving out uh, whatever I, I i think is you know would be uh, beneficial for 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 anyone who is reading now or you know maybe whoever reads it one month mm-hmm. or one year later right mm-hmm. uh, and one thing that, you know, this podcast has given me. So before every recording, I, mm-hmm. I try to read a lot. Like I try to read at least like two, three books from different authors so that I don't create a perception or like, you know, so that I don't have my unconscious bias in my words. Like you get it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let's say I'm mm-hmm. talking about uh, education and I am a dropout, but you know, like subconscious, unconsciously, I would not want people to drop out. So I mm. read a lot so that I can create something yeah. so that I can also, I, I can present an unbiased, uh, or unbiased opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Elena. I really love our conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. So I like, you know, what would be your words to anyone who is going through a lot of anxiety or other uh, mental health issues, but you know, are not talking about it or talking about it to anyone or you know, not opening uh, up uh, about it on the social media? What would you mm. advise them? Um, I've personally found a lot of uh, comfort in, you know, personal kind of uh, communication. I don't, I don't think that's the way to say it, but <laughs> like being able to talk to myself uh, when I've had no one else to talk to, when I have, or more than that, when I have not felt comfortable sharing with other people the way I'm feeling, um, I, I do write to myself and I, I, I do create this, let's say the same content I would, I now put, I now feel the courage to put on Instagram or, you know, on any platform. Uh, I, I would write to myself, you know, like this is something important to me. I want to manifest it. You know, I, I want to like, you know, have a creation out of it. I need to put this energy somewhere. So that really helped me a lot because, um, you know, it wasn't until I was able to visually see it, like how my mental health journey, I mean, uh, to see a representation of it, I didn't feel like I had a big handle on it because I was just seeing kind of like, oh, today's a bad day. Today's a good day. Today's a down day. And it wasn't until I, you know, started collecting all this um, and, I, and I kind of saw it that I was able to notice, okay, like now I can see kind of like, what, is, what are my trigger points? What are the things that make me anxious? What are the things that are toxic in my life? Et cetera, et cetera. And the other thing is that whenever you you whenever some whenever you have the courage to go to therapy to seek help be it from a friend or from a licensed therapist you know go for it but if you don't have that let's say if you're not in that space yet which is totally like understandable um you know find other ways to feel heard um and if it's difficult you know to put out that content you can read i think reading helped me a lot um because i i felt heard through books that i read even though I wasn't speaking to anyone. And I think that's so powerful that, you know, something that books have for, for some people, it might be songs for some people. It might be, you know, books like me, it might might be movies, but you know, there's so much content out there. It's just about kind of finding your own little safe space where you can kind of retreat and feel that, uh, you know, that, that comfort that you want around you. And 
And because you were talking about biases, I mean, just to wrap up, um, I would really recommend the book called Biased. Uh, like it's by Jennifer Ederhart. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name right, but <laughs> it's called Biased. Um, and it, it's a really great book that really explains, uh, you know, this unconscious bias that we all kind of face. Um, and, and then just the very last thing <laughs> about what you said about, you know, uh, how, how you don't, you like, you're a dropout and everything. Like, I think that that unfortunately has like a, a, a negative connotation nowadays. And I think that, uh, you know, I would just frame it as like, I, I follow a non-traditional education because there's nothing, you know, wrong with deciding not to, I mean, you know, of course, because it's your life, but, um, yeah, you, like, you always, that... you always live up to you know, <laughs> what I say that you freeze <laughs> things in such a manner and you think okay so i've been using this wrong throughout my life so again thank you so much for phrasing in that way no no i mean whatever you you'd like to call it is fine but uh you know i, I think that there's no need to put like that negative connotation on things uh, and it's just like if we all believe that things have to be one way uh or there's no right way like it, it just kind of builds upon that same bias right um so yeah <laughs> Elaine, thank you so much. I feel very satisfied after our conversation. And, you know, I'm already thinking, okay, when would be the next time when will I, you know, when will I uh, get to have another conversation with you on the Mani Kamra podcast? But Elaine, thank <laughs> you so much for your time. And it was a pleasure having a conversation with you. Oh, it was great to talk to you as well. I, I really like this experience. So thank you. All right. Goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye. So this was our conversation for today. I enjoyed it so much and I hope you enjoyed it as well. If you have any suggestions, feedback or queries, please reach out to me on my Instagram or my email which is info at the rate See you all next week.